Hello, hello, Discasters. How is everyone doing today? I hope you're all doing good, well, good, good and well. <laughs> I hope you're all doing good things and are also doing well in your personal lives. Uh, I'm excited for today's episode because today's episode is uh, about the adorable film that is The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, this is just, it's a very, very cute little film um the funny thing is is that this is actually one of the first films in a while that is actually uh, a uh, an anthology film so like we haven't seen anthology films from disney since of course uh, uh the wartime era uh and i'll get to it i'll get to that in a minute but first to start off of course we need to get into some of these disney headlines um one of the first things uh is it seems that uh the hotel itself the galactic star cruiser now that it's been open it's been open for a week about a week now uh seems like things are going actually better than we thought uh you know reports are coming back that you know things are actually pretty okay um i'm gonna i need to look for deeper into it and further into it and see what uh actual fans are saying because of course a lot of it's coming from the from like media people and while they claim that they're that they're going to be unbiased and things like that, you know, at the back of your head, it's like, yeah, but you also still got a free trip during the media thing. So, <laughs> but regardless, uh, but actually, the big big headline that I that needs to be addressed has to do with, of course, Disney CEO Bob Chapek, of course, um, and specifically with the "Don't Say Gay" bill that is occurring in Florida. Uh, now, this is particularly big because, you know, Disney World is in Florida and um, records have come out to show that the Disney company has been sending money to uh, politicians who are in favor of the Don't Say Gay bill, but also politicians who are against it. So it's it just seems like Disney is just sending money wherever. And I feel like part of that is just kind of part of that, I think, is just these people will send a letter asking for money and then they'll just blindly write a check and be like here kind of thing. Right. So I don't think there's a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot being looked into it. If that makes sense in terms of where that money is going and to whom it's going to. But the biggest thing is that people have been coming out about Bob Bob Chapek because he's come out and addressed um, the silence by the Disney company in regards to this. Uh, so they asked, he, Bob Chapek was asked kind of what the Disney company's stance is, I suppose, on this. And he's come forward with not the best response. Um, I have the full memo here. Uh, it's a fairly long memo. Uh, but I do think it's important to read it because I think it's important to see and hear what he has to say. So, it reads, Team, before getting to the heart of the, uh, before getting to the heart of my message, I want to acknowledge all those impacted by the invasion of Ukraine, especially our team in Europe and our employees around the world who have family in the region. This is an unimaginably difficult time, and my thoughts are with you. I also want to thank the ABC News team covering the horrific events there. ABC, because, of course, Disney has has had history with ABC News, or with ABC, the channel itself. Their courage and dedication to informing the world during this crisis is exemplary. 
On Friday, I met with a small group of Disney LGBTQ leaders to discuss controversial legislation pending in Florida that would impact their communities. I want to thank them for a meaningful, illuminating, and at times deeply moving conversation. At least he sat down with people. I guess that's better than nothing. I told the group I would write to the entire company with my thoughts on the issues we discussed. I wish every one of our employees could have heard not just the passion of voices in the room, but the bravery, honesty, and pride those voices expressed. It is a conversation I will not forget. One common theme was disappointment that the company has not issued a public statement condemning the legislation. That disappointment was compounded by the fact that, while not perfect, our company has a long history of supporting the LGBTQ community, and in fact has played an important role in the personal journeys of so many of our employees. That is fairly true, at least on the employment level, because I know that there, like, there have there are and have been queer people in the Disney company, and they've, from what I've understood, is that they've all been fairly supported and everyone's treated well and equal. Uh, this includes, of course, the cast members in the parks themselves. So that's at least fairly true. Now, whether that comes out in the actual media they produce, I mean, you only really need to look at like. Elsa's gay uh, uh, gay coding and Luca, like that movie, people are still talking about how that movie is super gay. And it's like, just fucking do it. <laughs> just, just do it. Anyway, uh, I digress. Um, where was I? Oh, shit. Uh, oh, I want to be crystal clear. I and the entire leadership team unequivocally stand in support of our LGBTQ plus employees, their families, and their communities. And we are committed to creating a more inclusive company and world. I understand that the very need to reiterate that commitment means we still have more work to do. Yeah, no shit. I also believe you deserve an explanation for why we have not issued a statement. We are going to have a more fulsome conversation about this at the company-wide Reimagine Tomorrow Summit in April, but I will preview that discussion now as it is so timely. Well... At the very least, it's nice to know that they're planning on actively sitting down and discussing it, and maybe something bigger will come out of it. I don't know. As we have seen time and again, corporate statements do very little to change outcomes or minds. Instead, they are often weaponized by one side or the other to further divide and inflame. Simply put, they can be counterproductive and undermine more effective ways to, to achieve change. Now, in this, I do kind of agree. Because I feel like no matter what they say, it'll either be... It will, regardless, it will still be weaponized. It'll be like uh, if they come out in uh, actively against the bill, you'll see people being like, "Oh, like Disney is now being so liberal and leftist and political and blah blah." Like, no matter what they say, I feel like they're just gonna be shooting themselves in the foot. That being said, doing nothing also is a statement in and of itself. I do not want anyone to mistake a lack of a statement for a lack of support. <laughs> what did I just fucking say? We all share the same, the same goal of a more tolerant, respectful world. Where we may differ is in the tactics to get there. And because this struggle is much bigger than any one bill in any one state, yeah, and that I can sort of agree, I believe the best way for our company to bring about lasting change is through the inspiring content we produce, the welcoming culture we create, and the diverse community organizations we support. Okay. I mean, yes, because it's that whole thing of, like, actions speak louder than words. Fair, but it still leaves a bad taste in the mouth, you know, when you're still sending money to these Republican politicians. There's a reason content is at the top of this list. For nearly a century, our company's stories have opened minds, inspired dreams, shown the world both as it is and how we wish it could be, and now more than ever before represent the incredible diversity of our society. 
We are telling important stories, raising voices, and I believe changing hearts and minds. And in this, I do kind of, I do actually agree in the sense that like you are, we are seeing a lot more diverse content coming out of the Disney company, whether that's on the small screen or the big screen. And actually in here, they go, uh, they list a few off. Encanto, Black Panther, Pose, Reservation Dogs, Coco, Soul, Modern Family, Shang-Chi, Summer of Soul, Love, Victor. These and all of our diverse stories are our corporate statements. They are more powerful than any tweet or lobbying effort. I firmly believe that our ability to tell such stories and have them received with open eyes, ears, and hearts would be diminished if our company were to become a political football in any debate. <sighs> okay. Sure. I see what he's trying to say. I see he's trying to say, like, just keeping out of the political realm uh, and just... and using their art as their statement feels like the safer choice but it's still it it still feels like you're showcasing a position because the fact the fact of the matter is is that this is more than just a political debate a political like something political would be like i don't know reassessing the budget or some shit this is this is people's active lives that are being threatened right like these are people's this is people's safety this isn't just some silly bill debating on whether or not we should forgive student loans or whether you know universal health care should be a thing even though you know it should <laughs> but this is actively addressing people and people's safety, their identity, uh, their right to exist, uh, and and in the long term, it's threatening them. And so I feel like it's th this is this is more than just a simple political stance. This is this is so much. This is bigger than that. This is so much bigger than that. Powerful content that changes hearts and minds only springs from inclusive cultures. True which not only attract and retain the best and most diverse talent, but also give those employees the freedom to bring forth ideas that reflect their lives and experiences. We must work together to ensure Disney always remains such a place. In terms of our communities, we are and will continue to be a leader in supporting organizations that champion diversity. In 2021, we provided nearly $3 million to support the work of LGBTQ plus organizations. And we have a long history of supporting uh, supporting important events like pride parades and for being there in times of need just as we were following the pulse shooting in orlando all this is why we have earned a 100 rating from the human rights campaign for 16 years in a row i mean okay don't flash your accolades at me like it feels it feels kind of like a humble brag and this isn't the place for a humble brag finally i want to address concerns about our political contributions in florida here we go this is, this is now the money while we have not given money to any polit politician based on this issue, we have contributed to both Republican and Democratic and Democrat legislators who have subsequently taken positions on both sides of the legislation. I can also share that Jeff Morrill, our Morrell, Morrell, our new chief Oper chief corporate affairs officer, will be reassessing our advocacy strategies around the world, including political giving, as he begins to integrate the communities, public policy, government relations, and CSR teams. Okay, so he understands that the fact is that the fact that they see where the money is going is an issue. And it's interesting he's saying we have not given any we have not given money to any politician based on this issue. 
that's fair, you know, because like the money didn't just suddenly appear in these Republicans' pockets the second they announced the bill. But yeah, so it's it's not necessarily cause to effect. It's that like they they were just happening to give the money to these people who then later uh, landed on the side of these of this issue, kind of thing, right? The the landing on the issue came after the money, not before. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Yes. 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 Yes, it does. It, it makes sense to me, I guess. I, don't know. I hope it makes sense to you. <laughs> Our company has been a force for inclusion for a long time, and that will not change on my watch. We have a role to play in this effort, from the cast members who make magical memories for fans and families of all kinds, to storytellers who take audiences on journeys to new story worlds that illuminate our our own to everyone in between who is responsible for ensuring our culture lives up to our values i hope we will all continue rowing in the direction of a better tomorrow Mm, look at you quoting walt (laughs) anyway so the memo feels very much like a ceo talking it very very much seems that way um it's interesting because in this article, I'm reading, this is coming from, the memo has been public everywhere. All major news sites are displaying it. But I'm specifically looking at the LA Times um, because they go on to say about how uh, Disney weighed into political matters under prior CEO Bob Iger, who once toyed with the idea of running for president. I remember that when people were, when, when fucking Bob Iger was like, maybe I'll run for president. We're like, Bob, sit down. <laughs> Iger would occasionally take a vocal stance on legislation in Georgia, where many Marvel Studios films, or where Mary, bleh, where many Marvel Studios movies are filmed. In 2019, Iger told Reuters it would be quote very difficult to continue filming movies in the Peach State if a restrictive anti-abortion bill became law. Years before that, Disney threatened to boycott Georgia over an anti-gay bill that sought to expand individuals' businesses' rights to deny services to those who weigh whose way of life conflicts with their religious beliefs. That bill was vetoed by the governor. So this hasn't ha- this has happened before. Like this isn't the first time that we've had something political come up and the Disney company has come forward against it. So the fact that Chapek isn't doing it now when his predecessor Iger has done it twice, you know, maybe not like not specifically anti-queer, but you know the anti-gay bill as well as the anti like Weighing in on certain things like that, like certain political stances that actively affect people's lives and livelihoods like that. The fact that Chapek isn't doing that too does not sit well and doesn't sit well with me and it doesn't sit well with a lot of other people, I'm sure. And so as far as I'm concerned, this is just another fucking notch in 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 the... I don't want to say anti-JPEG because it's, I think that sounds too harsh, but it's just very not for JPEG. Like, dude, it's not hard to come out and say, we don't support this. We are going to pull our funding from, from Republicans who support this bill. Done. It's not hard. Like, yeah, you're going to get a political kickback, but you're still getting a political kickback because you're not doing it. So regardless, so it doesn't matter. Like, his point of saying that, like, we don't want this to be like a political football is like, it doesn't matter because you already are. And so you might as well do the right thing and remain that political football rather than sit there and 
wring your hands about whether or not you should and be a political football. Like, I don't know, just... Chapek just needs to get his shit together, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, it's really annoying. Anyway. So yeah, that's kind of the big thing. And it's like... And it's tough for me as a Disney fan, because like... I have been noticing that lately it's just it's just been hurting me. It's been hurting me in that in that I'm seeing the decline of a company that I've loved for my whole life and has given me so much joy has you know formed the love of musicals in my heart and has shown me some beautiful stories and has provided me with so much happiness and joy you know with the parks with the films you know it's like and to see it kind of going in this downhill trajectory whether that's the fault of Chapek, which I'm very hard leaning towards I don't know and it's like because at the same time I see that the company is trying I see it's trying to do good but then Chapek comes out and it's just like, oh no, instead I'm gonna like I'm gonna make all the parks more expensive to to further the class divide. And I'm not gonna bother putting money into repairing shit because meh. Like my friend uh our our old host Fairleth went to Disneyland recently, like literally a month ago, and she tried going on to the Indiana Jones ride, which is one of the most iconic rides in Disneyland. And she was telling me about how half the ride was broken. And it's like, okay, why don't they fix it? And it's very, very annoying when you are putting so much of your money into this park. And it is clear that that money is then not going towards maintaining the park. Where is that money going? One can only assume it's going to the people who are sitting in a fucking boardroom filling their pockets. Like, it's... Bob Chapek is probably the worst thing that's happened to the Disney company since fucking... What's his name? Whose name? I can't I can't even remember. I'm too frustrated, honestly. Uh, since... What's his name? The one who decided to start California Adventure. At the very least, that guy had ideas that worked. I mean, sure, California Avenger didn't work 100% when it first opened, but at least it had the potential, right? Like, admittedly, like, one of the only things that were, were, was real fail was, <laughs> was the fucking taxi ride. But that's fine. At least he had a, a vision and a plan and an idea and, and things to expand and make things more and make things better and make things more fun. What the fuck has Chapek done? He's cut costs. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He's cut budgets. He's raised costs. He's introduced things that didn't need to be introduced, like fucking Disney, uh, uh, Disney Genie Plus. And like, and now there's, and then he reported there's going to be a, another fucking hike, a uh, price hike and shit. And now there's this where he's like, oh no, I don't want to say anything because I don't, he's like twiddling his thumbs and like, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to be uh, privy to like, or, or I don't want to be a part of like a political football. And I don't think Disney should be doing that. We're doing so much more, you know, with, with our art and stuff like, it's like, yeah, you, you, you're right on one, on one point, but guess what? Your actions are speaking much louder than this bullshit memo that you've put out. So I don't know. 
it's hard. It's hard. It's hard being a Disney fan right now, and I don't like it. But regardless, here's hoping that that the Disney stockholders and the Disney company come forward and are like, you know, being like, yeah, you know, maybe JPEG should fucking peace out. Because I think I think at one point I read somewhere that Bob Iger was considering coming back, and it's like, please, just please come back. Anyway, so yeah, so that's the big that's the big thing. That's my opinion on it. JPEG's a dick. JPEG's JPEG can fucking shove it up his ass and stuff. Like the owl, the creator of the owl, of Owl House, which was such a fun, fun, fun show. Dan Terrace, uh, <laughs> they're fucking tired of making Disney look good. Um, because of course, uh. Dana is uh, is queer and you know the Owl House being such a blatantly queer cartoon like on so many levels aside from the fact that the main character is gay like yeah it's yeah they they re- uh, Dana released a video on uh on their Twitter uh basically saying that they're just really really tired of making Disney look good. Uh, Tara says, quote, man, I know I have bills to pay, but working for this company has got me so distraught and I hate, hate moral quandaries, but how I feed myself and how I, about how I feed myself and how I support my loved ones. And that's, and I totally get it. Like, I don't blame Dana for being upset and I don't blame Dana for still choosing to work with the Disney company and all this other stuff because, you know, like the Disney company has, you know, done things and at least given Dana a platform to tell their story, you know, in terms of their, with their show, albeit it, it, it's been canceled. Um, but still like, it just really, really fucking sucks. And I'm sure it's very, very difficult for them. Uh, like on, on a personal level, you know, but it is now time to shift to our main topic uh, which is, of course, the many the, the the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yay! <laughs> so I mentioned earlier <clears throat> that this movie is an anthology film, uh, and it's funny because when you watch it, because of course it is available on Disney Plus, when you watch it on Disney Plus, it doesn't feel like. I mean, it kind of feels like it, but it also doesn't. In that, like. It feels like an anthology film in the sense that you can tell that these are just kind of like individual stories. And it's also just kind of how they crafted the film. Um, but also there aren't moments where it like breaks up and things feel disjointed, if that makes sense. Uh, it feels kind of more of like a combination of like Robin Hood, like how Robin Hood almost felt like an anthology film in that you could tell that these were just like individual stories that they pieced together. Uh, it's like a combination of that and then also the stuff from like way back, like from the wartime era, like Saludos Amigos and, uh, and, um, oh, uh, the Three Caballeros, uh, in the sense that like, well, actually more specifically Saludos Amigos because Saludos Amigos had like a narrator and so, and so does this film. Uh, so the, the way that this movie was kind of done was that like, it was, uh, it's made up of three individual animated shorts uh, called Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, and Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2. So uh, 
Each of these three animated shorts uh, came out at different times. The first, Honey Tree, was in 66, then it was 68 for a blustery day, and then Pooh and Tigger 2 was in 1974. Uh, and then in 1977, that was when they decided to put it all together and create one long movie. There was a final segment that was added to the very end uh, as a way to bring the film to a full close uh, so that it actually felt like uh, an ending to the film. And this was that was like the final, quote unquote, the final chapter where they talk about Christopher Robin going off to school and everyone saying goodbye and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, the the this film is technically the last movie that Walt ever actively had a hand in producing. And I say that because the first segment, Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, which was released in 66, was the first segment. Uh, being the first segment was uh, the one that Walt actually had a hand in because he he wanted to make a full movie initially, but he settled on shorts as a way to kind of introduce this character of Winnie the Pooh uh, based, of course, on the books by A.A. A. A. Milne uh, to American audiences, which is why when we watched uh, um, um, Saving, Mr. Saving Mr. Banks, which is why when uh, P.L. Travers walks into her hotel room, she sees a big stuffy of Winnie the Pooh, and that's why she says, oh, poor A.A. A. Milne, uh, because, of course, A.A. Milne is another British author. Uh, I It was very funny. Uh, it's just very funny that moment, uh, and so yeah. So the the segments are all very cute, and uh, they came back. And when they were doing the full film, they of course did like little attachment or like connections in between all of them uh, to make them more concise and more streamlined. The cool thing about this movie, the thing I really like about it, is that uh, it opens up in a child's room and the narrator who is the same guy who voiced um uh bagheera in the animated um uh, jungle book film uh sebastian cabot uh tells us he's like this could be the room of any young boy but in fact this is the room of christopher robin and of course we see a lot of the stuffies around of eeyore and rabbit and pooh bear and piglet and everyone around uh, and then we come to the book. And then we come to the actual storybook itself of uh, The Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And it opens up. And then we are introduced to the character of Winnie the Pooh. And uh, a lot of these songs uh, were written by uh, the... Uh, by the... Uh, oh, why is my name... my name? Why is my brain not working with me today? Ugh, my brain is just not having it. I don't understand what's going on with my brain. <laughs> uh, with the Sherman brothers. Uh, the Sherman brothers uh, would write quite a few of these songs, such as the ever-infamous Winnie the Pooh, like the original Winnie the Pooh song, uh, and then like a lot of the tiny little songs that were in, inside, and uh, the one thing about Tiggers, which is another big one. Those are kind of the two main ones. Um, because a lot of these other songs are just very tiny ones, like up, down, touch the ground when he's doing his little exercises, rumbly in my tumbly when he talks about he's hungry. The little black rain cloud I admit is, is pretty cute. And that one I remember being in my brain. Um, 
a rather blustery day, Heffalumps and Woozles, which is just a weird, weird dream sequence segment thing. Uh, the rain, rain, rain came down, down, down. Uh, hip, hip, hooray. So, yeah, so the, they would make the songs, or, yeah, they would write uh, all the songs for these little these little animated shorts. So this first short uh, is Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree. And this is just very, very simple. Uh, it's based on, I believe, the first couple chapters of the original book. Uh, and it's basically just Winnie the Pooh getting hungry and wanting to go and find some honey. It's a very, very simple story, but it's just very, very cute. So he sees that all of his food is gone because he's eaten it all. And so he's hungry. And then he sees a bee or he hears a bee. And he's like, oh, a bee means honey. And so he goes and he sees that there's a tree next to his house, uh, which is very funny because there's a thing above the house that says Mr. Sanders. And they make a point of saying, yes, he lives in a tree under the name of Mr. Sanders. In that there's literally in gold letters, the name Mr. Sanders, and he lives under it. It's just very, <laughs> it's just very literal. And I just think it's funny. Uh, so yeah, so he sees that there's the tree and he's, and he tries to climb up it, he climbs up it. He sees that it's full of bees. He falls down the tree and then he re- and then he goes, runs over to Christopher Robin for help. And Christopher Robin, uh, brings him to, or he comes back to the tree with, with Christopher Robin with a balloon because he wants to go up and fly up to the thing. And Christopher Robin's like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you can't just you can't just like go up to the tree and he's like, ah, but I have a plan. So Pooh Bear decides to go into a mud puddle and roll around in it and become like a dirty, muddy little black rain cloud. (laughs) And then just like pretend to be a rain cloud to go up to the, uh, to the tree. It's very cute. Uh, It's interesting because I'm trying to think about how to concisely talk about this movie. And I know that in the past I've done it through like talking about the story, but it just feels so because it's such a because it's more of like a, a segmented film. Um, <clears throat> it's really hard to kind of I don't know. It's just it, it just feels a little more difficult to really talk about discuss streamlined. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'll try my best. So it goes up to the tree, uh, all the while like singing the little song "I'm a Little Black Rain Cloud." And then he gets attacked by the bees because the bees don't want him to eat their hunt to eat his honey, or he do, the bees don't want Pooh Bear to eat their honey, obviously. Uh, and so hilarity ensues. He get, he's like flying around on the balloon and stuff, and it's very cute. Uh, but of course they escape, and he's still hungry, so he's wandering around. So he goes over to Rabbit's house, and he knows that Rabbit has food. He knows he's going to be invited for lunch. And I don't know, I feel this feels a little weird to me only in the sense that like, I, f- I think it's just very rude when you just like walk up to a person's house and be like, hey, you want to invite me for dinner or you want to invite me for lunch? I'm hungry. And it's like, sure, I guess, because you put the person in a very, very awkward position, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I can understand why uh, Rabbit would be a little frustrated. But also especially because here comes this person who's supposed to be your house guest and you're trying to be hospitable and everything. But what do they do? Oh, they eat you out of house and home. And it's like if the person is it's kind enough to offer you, you know, lunch, don't just assume you can eat all of their food. I mean, uh, like I th- I think there should be a limit. I, should, I think there should be a limit 
in terms of like how much you eat or something. I just, I don't know. I just don't think you should just go in and eat all of their food. That's just me. Right. And so I just think that like Pooh Bear is a little bit in the wrong here. Anyway. So afterwards, it, decide, it turns out he ate too much and he can't fit out of the damn rabbit hole now. So he's just kind of stuck. And so he's left there. He's just left there. Uh, and this is where we get introduced to the character of Gopher, who actually wasn't a character in the books, but was a character introduced by by Walt because he wanted the audience to kind of see a more Amer- like a more standard American character, if that makes sense, which I think is kind of funny because like to i guess to them that means that that is he's just a blue he's just very blue collar because he's like a contractor and so it's like owl is trying to figure out how to get uh how to get Pooh bear out of the hole and gopher's like oh like this is how we can do it like this here's the job like he uh, he assesses the job he tries to figure out the cause he like <laughs> and it's like it's very funny because he acts like a contractor Except he doesn't give him an estimate, which you would give an estimate. I don't know why he doesn't, but he does, or why he doesn't, but he should. But anyway, but it's just very funny how he just apparently, in the eyes of Walt Disney, traditional American is blue collar, which kind of makes sense considering his background and his upbringing, especially like working uh, for his dad and his dad um, being very blue collar himself. So that would make sense, you know? Uh, anyway, eventually comes a point where Pooh Bear has slimmed down enough to be able to fit out of the hole. And it's adorable because this movie blatantly breaks the fourth wall. And I love that. I love it because like from the get go, we know that this is somebody reading the story and it's just very cute because there's, uh, yeah, we just see them. We see the characters interact with the book, with the physical book, with the, the text in the book speaking directly to the narrator. So it's just, and it's done very well in that it's not super jarring and it doesn't not fit. It all fits. It's very, very, I think it's done really, really well. And so when they yank Pooh Bear out of the hole, he like launches and they make a point of saying, he's flying straight out of the book. Quick, quick, turn the page. And so like the narrator turns the page and Pooh flies through the page into the other section and lands into another tree. And so I just thought that was very, very clever. And again, just written very, very well. And I love, I love when it does that. It's just very, very silly. <laughs> and then that kind of brings us into the next section because they're they're kind of done in like chapters, which I think is a very, very cool way to do it. Uh, and the next one uh, is, uh, I think it's called Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. Uh, which is basically just how it says, like just there was a giant windstorm that ended up hitting the Hundred Acre Wood. Uh, and Pooh Bear is kind of walking around and he's seeing his friends and uh, he hears from the narrator that it's uh, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Uh, oh, no, sorry. No, uh, it starts off with Pooh Bear going to his thoughtful spot. And as he's sitting there thinking, Gopher pops out of the ground and tells him, uh, you better go because it's a Wednesday, uh, which I think is very funny. Uh, misunderstanding Gopher's warning, Pooh goes around and like starts wishing everybody happy Wednesday, which is very cute. So he heads over to 
uh, to, he goes to see Piglet, who's sweeping in front of uh, in front of his little house. Uh, he's saying, yes, no, this house has been in my family for generations. It used to belong to my great-grandfather. There's his name right there, Trespassers Will, Trespassers Will, short for Trespassers William. And it's like, that's not what that means. That That is definitely supposed to say Trespassers Will Be Shot. But, of course, you know, we're not supposed to know that, right? Because <laughs> it's like the the sign is broken. And, it's a, and the sign says Trespassers and then Will, but then the rest of that plank is, like, broken off. So it sounds like a name. It's just very funny. So Pooh Bear goes to see Piglet, who's, because he's so tiny, he starts being blown away. Pooh Bear grabs him by the scarf, and it begins to unravel. Piglet becomes a kite, and then smacks into Owl's window. And then Pooh gets blown up as well, right into Owl's window as well. Owl lets them in. Uh, and then Owl starts starts telling these stories while the while the tree is literally bending back and forth because of the winds. Until the point of where the where the the tree just straight up crashes down, which of course happens on major on super super windy days, right? Like, then of course here comes Christopher Robin to save the day, and he says, "Oh, I don't think I can fix this." And then Eeyore, blessed Eeyore, fucking Eeyore, who is adorable and sweet and is just the nicest nicest thing, he's like, "Okay, I guess I'll I'll take it upon myself to go and find a new house." for owl and they're like oh that's so sweet it's just very very cute so he trots off in his depressive state i guess <laughs> i don't know and uh yeah and so afterwards uh owl's just kind of hanging out and then that night uh Hoover is kind of getting scared because he's hearing noises because of the wind because the wind storm has uh, uh has continued into the night and then he hears something outside of his house, and he opens the door, and then boom, in comes Tigger, uh, who introduces himself with, of course, his signature song, the wonderful thing about Tiggers. Uh, and then he says he's hungry, and then Pooh offers him honey. Tigger tells him that this honey is gross, and it's only good for heffalumps and woozles, who like who like wander around searching for honey because they steal honey. And of course, Pooh Bear gets very scared about it. Tigger leaves. And then Pooh Bear basically just starts to patrol in his little house, trying to protect his honey. And then he falls asleep and he has the dream of Heffalops and Boozles. Which, again, is just a very, very weird trip <laughs> of a segment. It's not as creepy or as scary as uh, Pink Elephants on Parade from Dumbo, but it's still very weird. Anyway, and then Pooh Bear wakes up finds that his house is flooded uh and then just leaves he can't really do much because of course the next because that morning uh the hundred acre wood seems to be getting flooded uh and so piglet uh puts a message in a bottle asking for help now it's very interesting because like piglet lives in a tree and quite high up in a tree and so i'm like trying to think about think about how the hundred acre wood could get so flooded so fast. And so I have to, I have to assume that, that the forest itself is in like some basin uh, in which the river has overflowed and kind of gone into this area. And so that's why everything's flooded. Of course, this is me trying to bring logic to the fact that this is also a film about talking stuffed animals uh, <laughs> and also takes place in a, book 
it's a movie where the story takes place in a story. So it's kind of a story within a story, almost. Kind of? I don't know. Anyway. Suspend your disbelief. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. So, basically, Piglet is kind of stuck. And he's, like, um, he's stuck on a chair that's kind of floating around. Um, and the only person who has any safe haven is Christopher Robin. Because where he lives, I'm assuming in, like, a little treehouse... Uh, it's it's like a he lives like in a tree physically which i can only assume is like a play area for him uh it's the highest point it's like the highest point in uh in the area and so everybody is coming over to him and settling on his little patch of land it's like a little island and then they're like oh no but Pooh bear and uh and uh piglet are still out there and so owl flies off to go find them he finds them but then he begins to tell a long 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 story to the point of where he's just kind of caught up in it piglet tells him that it's like we're go- we're about to hit a waterfall and i was like no don't interrupt me <laughs> and they all go over the waterfall um well except for owl because he can fly Pooh has his head stuck in a jar in a jar of honey because he was trying to save all of his food from being ruined and during the fall he falls out of it and then piglet falls into the jar and then Pooh bear lands on the chair and so Pooh is safe and they're like, well, where's Piglet? Piglet's in the jar, also safe. And so they uh, they reward Pooh by claim, by uh, calling him a hero, and they hold a big party for him. Uh, and then Eeyore shows up, and he says that he's found a new house for Owl. This house happens to be Piglet's house. And so Piglet is then kind of forced to, well, I don't know, he's not forced to. He chooses to give up his house for Owl. And so everyone calls Piglet a hero. And so now there's like a dual hero, hero party kind of thing. And it's all very cute. Uh, And so, yeah, so that's that one. And then, yeah, and so then it transitions into the next sequence. Uh, And it's very cute because because this this next sequence is supposed to be about uh, Tigger. Well, not about Tigger, but it highlights Tigger quite a bit. Uh the narrator tells Pooh Bear, "Is like, oh, but this, this these next stories are about Tigger." And Pooh Bear is like, "Oh, okay." He says, "But don't worry, you're in it too." And he's like, "Okay, good." And so now we're into the third segment, which is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger Two, uh, which was uh, released in 1974. Uh, and this one, uh, it's interesting because they kind of go through um, uh, through the seasons, which I think is very, which I think is very fun. Uh, and so this one kind of revolves around. Tigger, I suppose, for the most part, because it starts off with Tigger bouncing around and bouncing onto his friends and, quite frankly, being a bit of a nuisance, admittedly. Like, I I, I kind I kind of get it. Uh, and so he bumps into Rabbit. Well, he literally crashes into Rabbit. Rabbit kind of gets Rabbit officially is fed up and he calls for a little protest between him, Pooh Bear, and Piglet. And they come up with a plan of trying to get the bounce out of Tigger. And so what they decide to do is they decide to take him into the forest, make him get lost. And then when he comes back, he's supposed to he's supposed to be humbled kind of thing, right? That's the idea. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, of course, the plan goes wrong. They all, all four of them go into the forest. Tigger runs off or runs uh, bounces ahead. The three of them hide in a log. And then while they're trying to make their way back home, 
Rabbit, Pooh, and Piglet all get lost themselves, ironically. <laughs> and eventually, Pooh Bear and Piglet make it out. Uh, they get found by Tigger. And they're like, well, where's Rabbit? And he's like, oh, he must still be lost in the forest. And so Rabbit is, of course, lost. He's all scared. Tigger comes in and finds him. And he's like, and Rabbit's like, you're supposed to be lost, Tigger. And Tigger's like, oh, Tiggers don't ever get lost. And he's like, oh. Like, well, there goes that fucking plan. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so, unfortunately, the plan does not succeed. They do not um, lose, uh, or Tigger does not lose his bounce. <laughs> And Rabbit's just kind of left a little bit humiliated. And then the next part of the story, is this is, this is of course, almost story, is that it's wintertime, and then Tigger uh, meets up with Rue to go play, uh, which I think is adorable. And they're bouncing around. Uh, and then Tigger bounce, bounces or crashes into Rabbit because he thinks he can go skating, ice skating. Rabbit's fine, but then Tigger comes in, crashes into him, uh, and then he's bouncing along with Rue, and they see a tree, and they're like, "Oh, let's climb the tree." And Tigger's like, "Yes, Tigger's love to climb trees or whatever." And then he goes up, bounce, 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 bounce to the top, almost bounces clear out of the book, which I think is cute. Uh, but then uh, is stuck at the top of the tree, <laughs> and and uh, turns out Tigger is afraid of heights, so now they're kind of stuck. Uh, cut to. Pooh and Piglet kind of wandering around. They found these interesting looking tracks kind of going around a bush and they're falling around it being like, what could it be? What could it be? Obviously, it's just them making their own tracks and they're tracking their own tracks. It's cute. And then they hear the call of Tigger going, hello, hello. And they look up and Pooh is like, oh, it's a Jaguar. They say hello. And then when you go underneath and when you go underneath them, they pounce on you. And it's like, oh, well, that's not how that works. Or that's not what that is. But it's cute that he thinks that. But Pooh and Piglet head over to the tree, and they, of course, see that it's just Tigger and Rue. And so then they grab all their other friends. Uh, they grab Rabbit and Christopher Robin and Kanga. And they're like, oh, well, why don't you guys just bounce down or something? And uh, Tigger's like, we don't bounce down. We bounce up. And uh, so Christopher Robin unfolds his coat. They all grab it by the corners, and they kind of make it like a little, like a catching parachute type thing. And so Rue just leaps down like he's completely fearless jumps down uh and lands in the lands in the coat he's safe he tells tigger to do the same and then the narrator's like oh here let me help you and literally physically you see the book turn sideways again i love it it's so fun how they did it they did it so fucking well and then tigger's all scared he's like no 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 no. it's fine and the narrator's like it's okay you're safe look look and so he looks and he sees that the 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 letters, the text of the book are right next to him. And so he goes and lands and he's safe. And then narrator tilts the book again and he slides down, uh, slides down the text into the snow. And then he's safe. And he's so excited. He's like, I can't, I, I feel like I can bounce again. But here's the thing is that he made a promising. If I can make it down, I'll never bounce again. And rabbit's like, ah, I heard that. I'm going to hold you to that kind of thing. Right. Because he's just sick and tired of, Tigger just bouncing everywhere and just being an irritant. And so he tells me, he's like, nope, you promised you would never. And Tigger's like, not even a little bounce? And Rabbit's like, nope. And so he's all sad. And he's kind of walking away. And then he was like, oh, we really like the bouncy Tigger. We miss the old Tigger kind of thing. And then Rabbit's like, uh, yeah, I guess me too. And then t- that's when Tigger is like, oh, yay, so I'm, I can bounce again. 
and then show tells rabbit why don't you bounce with me and then they all bounce together and it's all adorable they all bounce to the distance and that's the end of that sequence and so that's the end of the three uh of like the three main sequences uh and then we have this final sequence uh in which it's uh basically done as a sort of closing uh it's based on the final chapter of the house at Pooh corner and so it basically is just about christopher robin having to leave the hundred acre wood because he's starting school and so they talk about so christopher robin and pooh bear is kind of wandering around and they discuss what they like doing together and and christopher robin's like to his to to his friend he's like you're never gonna forget me will you he's like no 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 i'll never forget you it's just all very sweet and then you keep their memories together it's 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 a very sweet little goodbye even though like we kind of know it's not going to be goodbye forever because of course like you just come back to the forest and play with his friends again and then yeah and there the narrator basically closes off the movie by saying that wherever christopher robin goes pooh bear will always be waiting for him whenever he returns it's sweet it's heartwarming it's very cute it's a very fun little film uh it's just very cute and i can definitely see why these characters have kind of become so famous um there is of course a ride in disneyland uh and of course you can meet all the characters uh, the ride is very fun. It's just a very simple storybook ride. It's basically just going through the first three sections. Or the... the um, no, I'm sorry. The two sections of uh, of this... Of the film. Because uh, if I remember correctly, it starts off with the honey tree and then and then goes into the blustery day and uh, the rain and the dream sequence with the heffalops and woozles and... Um, finishing with uh the big party for Pooh Bear uh I'll have to rewatch the ride I'll link oh I'll, I'll post a link to uh the ride like a ride through of it so uh, you all can see what it looks like it's very fun it's very cute it's just a very classic storybook ride and it's out uh it's out just past uh New Orleans Square uh in Disneyland uh there's a few other ones actually there's uh there's a few other rides I think there's another one uh there's one in Disney World, I think it's a Magic Kingdom, Hong Kong Disneyland, and Pooh's Honey Hunt in Tokyo Disney. So I will look up the ride-throughs of all of these, and I will post them in the show notes. You can all see what they look like. Because admittedly, it's very fun to kind of look at what, how different some of these rides look in the different parks. You know, like you have other examples, like between like the Haunted Mansion and the and uh, Mystic Manor. And also like the different pirates of the Caribbean, ver- the versions of those ra- of that ride itself as well. Uh, it's just very cool to see how the different parks do the different rides. So yeah, so I'll link those two. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a cute movie. I it's not like the greatest film. Uh, the biggest thing that I did notice is that the animation in this movie definitely looks a lot cleaner. It's definitely like yeah, it's not as quote-unquote sketchy looking as like the previous few films uh had uh everything just looks so much cleaner and nicer there's definitely less instances of repeat animation there are a couple small moments like in terms of character movement but not nearly as noticeable as when you're watching like robin between robin hood and aristocats and jungle book so 
I think part of that is because uh, these were done as animated shorts rather than meant to be a full film. And so the budget was definitely able to be a lot better uh, distributed, if that makes sense. Like they were able to have a better budget for these films. And so that's why they didn't have to cut as many corners. So, yeah, Uh, I don't know, give it like a six, seven out of ten. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's very cute. It's very fun. It's only like an hour and a half. Uh, And yeah, so that's it. Uh, Next week. Now, here's the thing, because there have been so many movies uh, that that have these characters in them. Uh, Like there's direct to like this feature films. Uh, that were done by the Walt Disney Animated Studios uh, from the Disney Toon Studios. Uh, there's the live-action Christopher Robin movie with Ewan McGregor. There's all these direct-to-video films. There's one, two, three. There, there's nine of them. Uh, and then you have all the TV shows, and plus the dimensions in video games and all this other stuff. Like it's there's a there's a lot of content in regards to Winnie the Pooh. And so the question becomes: Okay, well what are we going to do? Should we do all of the films? Which would mean it would be with this one, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. It would be Winnie the Pooh, which is one that was released in 2011. The Tigger movie. Piglet's Big Movie. Pooh's Heffalump movie. Christopher Robin live action. Uh, Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin, which is one that I, I distinctly remember. Uh, Seasons of Giving, The Book of Pooh, Stories from the Heart, A Very Merry Pooh Year, Springtime with Rue, Pooh's Heffalump Halloween Movie, Super Sleuth Christopher, er, blah, Super Sleuth Christmas Movie, Tigger and Pooh and a Musical 2, Super Duper Sleuths. Like, those are all the films. So it begs the question of, okay, which ones should we do? And how many of them are we going to do? So... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in chronological order. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. The next film we're going to do is Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin. And for, I'm going to do this one for a couple of reasons. Number one is because this movie I distinctly remember from from my childhood. I distinctly remember this movie. Uh, I used to have the VHS and everything. So this movie actually sits in my brain. Also, there is a direct reference to Christopher Robin going to school in this film, so it feels more of a direct sequel to The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So we'll do that one. I also want to do the Winnie the Pooh. I don't think it's a reboot. I don't think it's a remake. I think it's just, you know, another one. But it's an official film uh, from 2011. And then I want to do the live-action Christopher Robin film. I mean... Part of me wants to do all of these just to do them justice and just to actually look at them. But there's a lot. And if we're going to be getting through and if we're going to be getting through the Bronze Age, we need to, you know, we need to push through. Like, yeah. So I that's what I'm going to do. Next film will be Pooh's Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin. And then we'll go into Winnie the Pooh and then it'll be Christopher Robin, the live action. That's what we'll do. And then we'll leave out uh, kind of these other ones, uh, like the made for TV ones. And the direct-to-video ones, even though Pooh's Grand Adventure was is technically a direct-to-video one, but the other ones just feel very. They, I just think they're just seasonal. Like Seasons of Giving is most likely just for it's 
uh, for Thanksgiving. Like they, they, they're more holiday movies and I don't know. I'm not particularly interested in, in that. And I just, I'm just not. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what we're going to do. So next week will be the search for Christopher Robin. I hope you will join me for it. Uh, and yeah, I hope you all, uh, are doing well. Uh, I send you love and hugs. Uh, make sure you drink your water, eat your food, take your meds, uh, go outside, get some air. Uh, here we're getting into spring, which is really nice. I can really feel it because I've been sneezing like crazy and I hate it. My allergies are kicking in and I hate it a lot, (laughs) but there's not much I can do about it anyway. All right. So, uh, I'll catch you all next time and I hope you all have a wonderful week. Bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.